eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Baldy's Breakdowns, the podcast with NFL insiders Brian Baldinger and Jason LaConfora, an Odyssey Sports original. Welcome to the post-draft edition of Baldy's Breakdowns here on Odyssey. As always, we appreciate you guys for tuning in, and we uh, love the fact that every week you do check us out on iTunes, Spotify, um, wherever you get your podcast goodness and please give us feedback rate review um give us as many stars as possible apparently that's really important um so we're we're in the market uh for as many stars as we can get i am jason lockenfora at jason lockenfora on twitter i am joined as always by brian baldinger at baldy nfl and and baldy we're going to wade into this aaron Rodgers mess um we're going to deconstruct uh the draft and and tap into as many of your takeaways as well who who did well who didn't who got lucky um which teams still have a lot of work to do um maybe dabble in what's remaining on the free agent market a little bit as well um but baldy this aaron Rodgers thing is not going away anytime soon it turned out to be the biggest story of the draft because it was leaked in a calculated manner hours before the first round uh went off um Aaron Rodgers, you know him. I know him. Um, he's a very strong-willed, determined, uh, some would say stubborn individual. He he tends to live in a world of a lot of black and white and not so much gray. And when you get on his S list, it's really, really hard to get off. And right now, Mark Murphy and Brian Gutenkist and company uh, have their hands full with their Hall of Fame quarterback. They do. They do. And they have a, you know, it's, you know it, do they call his bluff? And see if because I, I have a feeling that he will simply not play rather than go back to Green Bay. I feel like this this bridge is burned. Green Bay's got to do everything they can to salvage it, but like going out to visit him in California and paying these personal visits doesn't seem to be, you know, making any difference. I know this that it should never have gotten to this point. Um these the these star players, like they're hard to find. And when you get one, you have to do everything you can in order to just uh ameliorate them from time to time. Like you, you've, you've got to, I mean, it's not being a diva. It's just, they know how this game, they, they know it from a different perspective, how this whole thing works. If, you know, if, 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 if Aaron Rodgers has 
a liking of a particular wide receiver, say Jake Kumro. And, you know, he really feels like this guy is somebody that we've got to figure out a way to develop. And then you cut him. Like those kind of things just great on a guy like Aaron Rodgers. And, and so this has been going on. You draft Jordan Love. There's no reason to draft Jordan Love. And, you know, not when you can really, you know, take a team to another level. And I think part of this whole thing, to be honest with you, and this is just my own feeling, Jason, is that when Aaron Rodgers saw Tom Brady get himself out of New England and he sort of had a choice of where to go and he surprised some people by going to Tampa and then he won it all. I think Aaron Rodgers going, I can do the same thing. I, I don't have to take this. Like I, I, I think Tom Brady, all it does is support his feeling like, okay, you know, like Wayne Gretzky got traded, Joe Montana got traded. I, like, I don't have to be a Green Bay Packer my whole career. Like, I actually can, I actually can um, build up my resume by going to another team and winning one and taking Denver or whoever it might be to a Super Bowl. I mean, Peyton Manning, like you go through the list of these guys, like he's looking at this going, I'll show, you really want to show Green Bay what, what, I, what, what you're missing here by not listening and not paying attention and disrespecting whatever you want to call it. I'll go to Denver and win one. Peyton did it. I just saw Tom Brady go to Tampa and do it. I'll do the same thing. Yeah, I think that absolutely played a role in it, Baldy. Um, and I, I think it you have to you have to think like this guy thinks. Like he 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 in his mind, he he probably thinks he's the best quarterback in the history of the game. And and there's an argument to be made. That's not a, a crazy statement. Uh he is an an absolute assassin when it comes to being a competitor uh he's very strong-willed as you said he knows what he thinks he needs to win he knows what everybody else in the league is getting to win he's studying the coaches he's studying the players and baldy he studied the hell out of jordan loves and knows exactly how close or how far jordan love is being ready to be a competent nfl quarterback he's taking in all that information in real time and you go back to April 23rd, 2020, and he's sitting on his couch and he's sipping on his scotch and he's waiting to see, wow, generational receiver draft and who are we going to get? And, you know, he's, t- he's he's talking to his boys like Russell Wilson and Tom Brady. And he's, you know, he, everyone's acutely aware of their situations. And those guys are in a very tight knit, small fraternity. And I, who are they going to get me? Who are they going to get me? Oh, wait, they're moving up. Oh, damn. What receiver is that going to be for? Oh, Oh, it's for a kid who they don't have most teams on a first round grade on at my position. And then we're not taking any more receivers. And then we're going to talk about Aaron's here as long as we want him to be here. Yeah. Yeah. They, they sit all that out and they, they start talking about, oh, it's not a problem. He fell to us and talking all this BS that he saw right through. And he's sitting there feeling like a jackass. Like, I think they're taking care of me on the way out. No, they've just established my football mortality. I know that three years max and probably two years, they're going to want to pay this kid no money to do what I do for $35 million a year. Okay, Mark Murphy and company, you think you put the gun to my career's head? You think you have you know, set a, a, a timer that is going to go off when you want it to go off and I move over and this other guy takes over? Well, guess what? I can build a bomb too. I can put a powder keg together and I'm going to assemble it and I'm going to let it stew and marinate, and I'm going to wear a happy face this season, and I'm going to go out and be an assassin who wins an MVP award, and he does, and I'm going to play deep into the playoffs, and he did, and I'm going to know in my mind 
that if we get to the AFC championship game, I mean, the NFC championship game and we hold, we, we host it. That's my last game ever in Lambeau. They don't know that yet, but I do. And all this plays out and Jordan Love isn't ready and he is the man. And then they take the ball out of his hands at the end of the year. And then he waits in his calculated mind to the, the most opportune team time for him and least opportune time for them to drop the bomb back on them. And that's when he turns the draft into the Aaron Rodgers uh, soap opera and he airs the dirty laundry. It all goes through his agents. That's how it's done. They give it to who they want to give it to. And then Mark Murphy and co are in damage control. And now we see who wins. I think he wins. I think he goes out on his timetable, not their timetable. He doesn't need their money. He doesn't trust them. And other teams covet him. So whether it happens tomorrow, whether it happens in July, whether it happens the first week of camp, whether it happens before the season starts, whether it happens at the trade deadline, I think he's committed to the fact that I'm done wearing those colors for them. The next move is all about me. Well, you know, Jason, I, I'm just going back to Brady again. Because, first of all, we saw Tom Brady have more fun than we've ever seen him ever have. So it was just a breath of fresh air to him. But then... Did Brady get every single guy he wanted? Did he get Antonio Brown? Did he get Gronk? Did he get Leonard Fournette? He got everybody he wanted. And, oh, by the way, they all scored touchdowns in the Super Bowl. Like, he knew. Brady knew what he needed. Like, he knew. Like, Jason Light, give him credit. Give, you know, all the people that do all the financing in Tampa all the credit. But, like, Bruce Aarons didn't want Antonio Brown. But Tom did. And it's a good thing he got him. And so, Aaron Rodgers... Like, like like, you have stated a couple of times, he's so calculating. He sees all of this. And he goes, I can't keep Jake Kumaro on the roster. Like, I can't do anything. You know, and, and by the way, when we get to an NFC championship game, I know I need more firepower than we have. Like, I know it. And I know on fourth down at the eight-yard line, you better put the ball in my hands to win this thing. Put it in my hands. Don't, don't put it in the field goal kicker's hands and my defense hands. Put it in my hands. Let me go find Devontae Adams for a touchdown. And like, they they just, you know, they, they don't trust him the way he, he feels he needs to be trusted. And people can say, oh, what a diva. No, this is the way the game is played. When you get a guy like this and he's got one stinking Super Bowl to his name, nothing bothers him more. Nothing. Like, he wants to have three to his name. And he, he might go through this whole thing and have one. That's how that's how him and Russell Wilson and Tom Brady and th that's how they keep score by super by 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 rings in the bank. That's how they keep score. It's different than everybody else. It's different than the general managers or the team presidents think. This is how they think, and they only think in the highest because that's how everybody evaluates them. How they doing? They're all all Aaron Rodgers here. He's been to five championship games. He's won one. Like that's what he hears. He's like, I can't do it all, but I need a little bit more help. And what blows my mind, Baldy, is they went through this institutionally when they had the Aaron Rodgers Favre thing. And Aaron Rodgers truly did follow them. Aaron Rodgers was, was it was neck and neck right between him and Alex Smith. And either one could have gone first overall. And now here he is at 26. That's one thing. That That's not trading up for a kid who most people thought wasn't going day one no matter what. But um, 
they find themselves back in this situation. They live through it with Favre. Did it end really well with Peyton Manning in Indianapolis, or was he exchanging, uh, you know, two a.m. text and and tweets with the owner back and forth in a war world words? I seem to remember being like watching the Roots at that Super Bowl play in Dallas, and my phone's blowing up because Peyton Manning and the owner are going at it on social media. Well, um, I remember, I remember, Jason. I remember when you were at the NFL Network, you were on Peyton Manning watch. Yeah, for yeah, like literally yeah, a yeah. month straight every day. That wasn't pretty. Tom Brady, we're all old enough to remember 11 months ago where, you know, the, all the dirty laundry's coming out as he's leaving. He's finally done with Belichick. Joe Montana leaving the 49ers was was not pretty by any stretch of the imagination. So the, the, the Packers have all this institutional knowledge, and they know the kind of um, strong-willed, strong-minded individual they have here, and they cut him out of the entire process. He finds out, you know, when everybody else does in real time that they took this player, like how could none of them have the wherewithal to say, uh, Hey, do you think we should call Aaron in the office or set up a conference call and try to get ahead of this thing? Like, do you think he might not respond all that well to being blindsided by this in real time at, you know, seven o'clock, West Coast time from his house, maybe watching with some buddies, telling them which receiver he thinks makes the most sense for them. Like, do you think, should we maybe, maybe reach out? Like, how does that happen? Yeah. No, I mean, they, because they're just detached. They're just detached. Like, they just simply don't know the players. And it's a problem for a lot of coaches and general managers. The great ones know what they're dealing with. They know how these people are wired. The great ones do. And the ones that just aren't, that are just, you know, they, they play the game because you got to treat everybody the same, like all the silly things that you hear. Like they just don't know. They're, they're, they just don't know their personnel the way they have to know their personnel and what makes people tick. And it's the most important thing for any coach in any sport is what makes these players tick. We know what Jordan, we know what, uh, you know, we're talking about Jordan. We're talking about, you know, I mean, all the great ones. Just, they just think differently. And we saw it on the ESPN special with Jordan this year, and it's it's the same mentality. It's the same thing as Kobe. You think Kobe was friendly with those guys? On the <laughs> I mean, no, because it's about winning championships, and it's going to be hard, and this is what we need. And so it's what LeBron has been, always done when he's moved on to different places. Like, they know. They know more than the coach. They know more than the – general managers, they know more than the people putting it together. They just do. That's that's why they are who they are. Yeah, I, I have a feeling we haven't uh, done our last podcast in which we, we exert a lot of uh, time and energy uh, dissecting this well, situation. I also don't think, think much is going to change until he's eventually traded, but I, I don't think we have a quick resolution. One, one thing, okay, let's just talk about a potential trade here. There's, there's two, to me, there's two, there's two huge factors. One, it's the compensation and what you're going to get. And then second is you're going to have to do a contract. I mean, or can you just, can he just live on the existing contract? Because that's part of the issue is that I'm the MVP of the league and I, I'm so-and-so ranked as far as quarterbacks go right here. Um, you know, is there two components to this? Deal? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, look, if you're bringing him in knowing – how this thing ended in green Bay and, and how it deteriorated. You're, you're going to go overboard to show him 
just how different you are and just how more forward thinking you are. And you're not going to have a problem if you're, if you're, if you're bringing them in at 30 something a year, you're not going to have a problem paying them 40 plus the caps going up next year. The gambling money's coming in, the broadcast money's coming in. So yeah, Baldy, you're, 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 you're bringing him in under the assumption he's going to become again, you know, the highest paid player in the game or darn close to it. Uh, and then, yeah, the, the compensation, I, I think, will be he, – he threw 48 touchdowns last year. I mean, that, there's not a lot of dudes on the planet who do that. So I still think, despite age and everything else, they're going to be able to reap some significant rewards from this. Um, and they always had this intended. You don't make the move you did for Jordan Love unless you're envisioning, envisioning what that Aaron Rodgers trade could look like. You just thought you had two to three years to do it, and you don't. Um but yeah, I mean, look, who who doesn't need Aaron Rodgers? Like, how many places would you say, oh yeah, Aaron Rodgers couldn't help him? I mean, there's some where it doesn't make sense, but at least half the league should be exploring this. Um, I mean, Washington—they're just set up. They're set up to win right now. They're set up to win. I mean, Washington with you know with Scott Turner and Ron Rivera and that defense right now. Um, to me, I mean, I Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, God love him. Um, I mean. <laughs> You, you could go win the whole thing with Aaron Rodgers right now. Yeah, I don't know. The other thing is he's not going to go anywhere where he's not totally comfortable with it and it's not where he wants to live. And he's going to call his shots the way Brady did, even though he's not a free agent. He might as well be. So, yeah, I mean, look, does he like us Carolina? Is that a little more his style in terms of media market and um, what he's used to and, you know, um, a, a, a rich progressive owner? who has a ton of talent on offense. And yeah, if we have to, you know, raid our defense to trade guys to get him, so be it. I don't think David Tepper would be averse to that. Sean Payton, there's nothing that happens in this league that Sean Payton isn't at least aware of and hasn't at least explored. He's certainly not fully settled at the receiver, at the, at the quarterback position. You know, a lot of smoke already about Denver. You, we, we can, we can, we can connect a lot of dots. And, and again, at some point, the guys in Green Bay are going to realize we have to just let every team know that we are, in fact, trading them. You know, we're going to say we're taking offers for the next three days or five days or whatever, and then we're not going to be dealing with this anymore. And when they reach that point, uh, I, I think there'll be no shortage of suitors. They're not willing to go there yet, but I, I, I think it's inevitable that they It'd do It'd be so there. ironic, Jason. It'd be so ironic if he just went next door to Minnesota. And yeah, I don't think they'd want to do it, but those t- every team in that division you can make the case for. Absolutely. Yeah. Even Chicago with just drafting fields. Right. If he has yeah. to sit behind Rodgers for two years, big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, the other – there was a well, – look, there was a lot of quarterback news coming out of the draft. Some of it was sort of obvious, and, and we knew where it was going to go. Um, but the, the, the fork in the road was going to come with the third selection. And, and you and I didn't think Mac Jones made a lot of sense, but we heard all the smoke that was out there. We watched Kyle Shanahan talk about the world ending on Sunday and, you know, maybe Jimmy G's not here anymore. And he seemed to be messaging things that we are going to go ahead and do this Mac Jones thing. Well, at the end of the day, it was Trey Lance, which I, I get redshirting Trey Lance. I get Trey Lance's athletic upside. Um while you are going to continue to stick with Garoppolo and get talked out of getting the guy that he wanted. What's that? How does Kyle Shanahan get talked out? I don't think he did. I don't buy that. I, 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 I don't, I I think he wanted the Mac Jones stuff out there for whatever purpose he thought it saw it served. But if they weren't, I just kept going back to him. We talked about it a week ago. 
and I think I don't know it was Wednesday, and I'm thinking, well, based on everything they've said, they're going to start marketing Garoppolo because if you're drafting Jones, there's no reason to hold on to Garoppolo, and you should have traded Garoppolo a long time ago. And right. they didn't try, and they ultimately didn't do it. I think because they were skewing on the projection, skewing on potential rather than present day production because the kid didn't play a freaking season. So I, I think the owner also, if you look at the owner's tweets during the day of the draft, I think it played out the way it did because I think the owner thought it was good for business. He had people talking about the 49ers for months, obsessing about the 49ers for months. Um, a lot of free publicity, a lot of what do they call it? Your your Q quotient or whatever. Well, a lot of I mean, attention, right? He seemed to be base, Ed was reveling in it. The fan base was going to erupt, like erupt if Mac Jones was the yes. selection. Yes, they, I mean they were going to go ballistic. They were prepared for it. So yeah, I think you know at the end of the day, for business purposes, they probably think it it went well for them. Um, and okay. from a football standpoint, what do you think, Baldy? Let's project forward to the 2023 season, week one. Um, well, I mean, this kid has thrown a total of 318 passes. I mean, we've never seen anything this yeah. green before. Um, you know, and he's, he's played one game in, you know, what will be 20 months, you know, of inactivity. I mean, I think he's going to be really raw. But I, I can see Kyle Shanahan have packaging packages for him from the first week. And not just – to run read option. I mean, but I can see a, a full, like full series um, and just getting them up to the speed of the game because preseason is just awful. Um, it's not a good time. Your starters aren't going to be out there long. You're not going to put Trent Williams out there in preseason for very long or, uh, you know, the receiving core. So, or Kittle. So you're not going to play, you're not going to play him very much, but I can see packages starting week one with him out there on the field. Yeah, and how much of that we see and in, in what situations um, w- will be absolutely fascinating and how quickly this kid is ready to take the mantle and run with a team that fancies itself a Super Bowl contender. Um, this will be a move that, you know, we, we would have said at the time that the Garoppolo trade defines this era of, you know, Shanahan and Lynch. But the bottom line is they got him for only a two. Um, this move, though, when you mortgage all this draft capital, we're, everything will be measured on how this um, plays out. Speaking of measuring uh, draft uh, outcomes, were there a handful of teams, Baldy, three to five that stood out for you that you, you came away after marinating on three days of player selections and said, boy, I really think they got better. I, I, I really like what they did. No, I liked, I mean, I, I like what the Cleveland Browns did. I mean, you can't help but think, you know, you, you get a starting corner, which they needed, all right? And you can argue, you know, what's the best corners and all that kind of stuff. You get, you know, Jeremiah Usu koromoa I mean, that was a middle-of-the-first-round type talent with the 52nd pick. It's kind of hard not to look at Cleveland and go, they already had a good team. You've just bolstered their defense. Kind of hard not to look at Baltimore and say, okay, you go out there, we know what the passing game has been like in the postseason. Now, maybe it's all in Lamar, but you can't help but think Rashad Bateman is going to help that team. Um, you know, they needed they needed linemen. They lose Zeus. All right. You get Ben Cleveland, the biggest guard. And, you know, I don't know if he's the best player. You know, I mean, he's a good player. I mean, he's massive. It's, it, he fits into what they want to do. Um, you know, you get, 
you get Tylen Wallace, you look at his freshman year at Oklahoma State, that guy was like a freak. Uh, I know he had an injury, but, I mean, he's still a good football player, a highly competitive guy. Um, it's hard not to look at – and look, Jason Owa, like, it, it, it's just potential. You know, I, I, I give me Wink and give me a guy with a high upside and let me go to work with him. I, I mean, I, I'll take my chances on what they do. It's kind of hard not to look at, at Baltimore. Um, I, I, I like everything Joe, Joe Douglas did. I like to trade up, you know, after the quarterback to go get Oliveira Tucker to – you know, put him right next to Makai Becton and just have, you know, the, the Bash brothers over there. Um, he had a choice to make with that 34th pick, Jason, to go get Elijah Moore, which they took, or Javante Williams. But anybody that watched North Carolina play goes, man, that Michael Carter is not very far away from Javante Williams. And so you get Michael Carter with the next pick, you know. And so they help themselves draft the quarterback, do what Buffalo has done, just keep building around the quarterback. And they did that really, really well. So, I mean, those, you know, Jacksonville, I'm not sure I would have drafted Travis ABN, you know, after what James Robinson did last year. But um, I, I like a lot of things. I liked Andre Cisco at Syracuse. And so, I mean, those were some, some things. It's hard not to like what the Chargers did, to be able to get Rashawn Slater where they did and Asante Samuel, this kid, um, you know, Trey McKitty, the tight end from Georgia, that you lose Hunter Henry, like develop a tight end. Kind of hard not to like what they've done. Yeah, they definitely stood out for me. Um, it seemed like things their their needs were just aligned with how the board fell, and I think it worked out um, really well, uh, really well for the for the Chargers. Do you have any trepidation, any trepidation about Zach Wilson in that particular market um, with that particular franchise that has struggled so many times? to truly incubate and cultivate a, a long-term winning solution at quarterback out of the high end of the draft? Well, I saw a graphic, you know, before last Thursday, Jason, there have, since Joe Namath retired in 1976, the New York Jets have started 38 different quarterbacks. A lot of them were first-round picks, Kenny O'Brien, you go through the list of guys. So, yes, I, I mean, just because of the franchise, the history of the franchise, and really, you know, a player that is is really a one-year player at, at BYU. He played more than that, but he had one outstanding year against, you know, this is not – I mean, if you put Zach Wilson at Alabama, does he win the national championship? Um, I don't know. I don't know if they beat Florida in that shootout game. So you can play that kind of game um, with him and put him at Ohio State. Does he whip Clemson in a semifinal game? I, I don't know. He, he looks – very slight to me. Mm-hmm. Physically, very. He slight. looks like a baby. I mean, I mean, no. Yeah. I mean, he looks. He looks like a. He looks like a, he looks like a high school kid compared to the like average NFL kid. player. They can't do anything about that. But you know, they they fell in love with him early, real early in this whole process. And look, Joe Douglas is completely hitched to you know to this pick. Forget about anything else. He's hitched to the quarterback. It has to work. Um, you can draft all the linemen you want. Quarterbacks are going to get hit. You know, either they get up from the hit or they don't get up from the hit um, and dust themselves off. And it just remains to be seen if this guy gets splattered the way Sam Darnold did last year a couple times and he was slow to get up. And so do I have trepidation? Yes, I do. I do because of the history and a one-year player. And it was like, 
you can fall in love with the arm talent, all that. I know this about, and you know, everybody wants to be, you know, Pat Mahomes has sort of ruined it for everybody, but um, because of what he's done. And so everybody wants a guy that can do Mahomes type thing, whether it's Jordan Love or, you know, Zach Wilson or, uh, you know, Justin Fields, whatever. They all want, they all want that guy. But we have seen that Patrick Mahomes can flat out take a hit. Um, now, that being said, you know, he's had the ankle, he's had the knee, he's had the toe. Uh, you know, in four years now, you know, he's he's been beat up pretty good. So, you know, you don't know if it can last if that can last 10 years or not or more. But we know this. I've seen Baltimore hit him 18 times in a game. Um, you know, that guy is as tough as they come physically yes. and has, you know, that guy is built to take it. I don't know. That exactly right. He's got the calluses. You know what I mean? He's got the he's not. There's nothing brittle about him. So I, and we'll find out. Maybe there's nothing brittle about Zach Wilson. I, I just think um, I think there's going to be a, a learning curve, maybe a steep one. One other team that I thought did really well, Baldy, when you look at where they are as a franchise versus who they need to get beyond. I'll mention both these teams. Um, there, to me, there's sort of an arms race that you saw play out between the the four finalists in the AFC and the Chiefs. And and the Chiefs, we know they had one massive, uh, one massive area to correct, which was offensive line. And they went they went overboard. You know, they did whatever was in their whatever they could humanly do to solve it. You know, they they got Thune. They tried. They they had twenty plus million on the table for Trent Williams. They make the Orlando Brown trade. They still draft um, on a year where they don't have that many draft picks. Right? They still take a potential plug and play center. They bring Kyle Long out of retirement. They're getting Duvernay Tardif back. They may now have seven dudes, seven le- fairly legitimate dudes competing for you know center, right guard, and right tackle on that line because I think we know left left tackle and left guard are set. Uh, and then you've got Buffalo, who was like, well, how are we going to beat these guys? Well, we need to get more pass rush. You know, Jerry Hughes had one big rush on Lamar. It led to a pick six. That's how we got to the championship game. But another year of Hughes and Addison, is that is that going to get it done? And and they doubled down on pass rushers. Cleveland, as you noted, um, almost, almost took advantage of that beat-up offensive line. And Patrick Mahomes gave him a hell of a game. Look at the totality of their offseason, free agency and 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 draft. It's got a heavy defensive bent to it, um, you know, for for obvious reasons. You you mentioned Baltimore and, and you know, they've had some big free agent defections, but they doubled down on pass catchers um, and pass rushers in the draft. But I just don't know that anybody did enough. And I really like what Buffalo did, too to offset what the Chiefs did. And to me, I come back, I sit here in the middle of May. I look at all these teams and say. Patrick Mahomes might, this might be the best line he's ever played behind. <laughs> well, you know, you always go, you always go to, you know, final four, you know, what is, what, what does Buffalo need to do? I mean, Patrick Mahomes threw for 325 yards, three touchdowns. He was basically unstoppable. I mean, they had the league 10, seven in the second quarter and then Mahomes just caught fire and there was nothing they could do and they couldn't get near him. And he just kept, you know, running around and, you know, finding his receivers. And so, Yes, you better get, you know, be able, you know, you just can't blitz Patrick Mahomes and get home. Uh, you better be able to get there with four and affect them. And so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll find out. We'll find out if Greg Rousseau and, you know, Carlos Basham, I like Carlos Basham at a Wake Forest. Uh, but I thought that was, those were prudent moves, you know. And so, yes, Cleveland to Indianapolis with Quiddy Pay. And, you know, like I, I just thought Indianapolis, like I don't understand them 
waiting to the seventh round to draft an offensive tackle. And you could tell you could sell me on Sam Tevy and these guys they signed in free agency. I ain't buying it. Um, that that was one of the best offense lines in football since they drafted Quentin Nelson. And they've got a glaring hole at left tackle. And moving Quentin Nelson to left tackle to me is a dumb option if they end up doing it, which they might be forced to do. But you know, you, you've got a quarterback coming in that was just, um, you know, like he just went in, you know, that there was just hit into submission and his play just deteriorated rapidly over the last two years when you looked at Carson Wentz. So, I don't know, I, I thought Indianapolis, if they want to get in that conversation with Cleveland and Baltimore, like I thought they really missed out, you know, on taking a guy in a draft heavy, you know, where there's a lot of tackles that were taken and you had an option for a lot of them that you could, you know, found a guy that could go play left tackle for you. Well, and let's, let's, let's stay right there um, in the AFC. We've seen Tennessee and Pittsburgh, you know, maybe not in the final four this past year, but, but fancying themselves as contenders there, I would say they've been involved in that arms race, trying to keep up with the chiefs. Um, I'm with you. I think Indianapolis, um, that division's so bad, they might win it anyway. Um, but I don't think that they've necessarily beefed up their chances to dethrone anybody above them. And I, I feel the same way about Pittsburgh and Tennessee, Baldy. I, I like the, the center that Pittsburgh took out of Illinois. The problem is I don't know about either tackle. And, and you know, it's great to take a running back, but are they where they need to be as a whole with enough bodies to run the ball the way they want to run it, especially with Ben, who, let's face it, he's not going to be under center that much. You're, you're going to be telegraphing a lot of things. He won't be in shotgun as much as he was under Feekner, but he's also, he does, you know, it's, it is what it is. He doesn't really want to be hit. Um, I don't I don't know that they address systematically offensive line and defensive line with as much manpower as I would have. And Tennessee takes another medical risk, and, and maybe they hit with Farley. But you look at that secondary, the state of that right now, and and even you know Bud Dupree coming off an injury, I, I I don't I don't I don't know about them defensively whatsoever. And and I also I'm starting to wonder about the offensive line a little bit. Oh uh, yeah, I mean uh, there's no question about it. I mean we'll find out if Dylan Redunes from you know North Dakota State can can really play. I mean they had to upgrade their positions at both tackles. And so, or at least the right tackle right now, they'll get one back. But uh, yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I mean, Caleb Farley, I mean, God bless the kid, man. You, you have back surgery, then you come down with COVID, yeah. you know, the week of the draft. I mean, it's just, you know, it's it's been a rough off season for him. Um, so we'll, we'll see if he can pick himself up. Um, look, I, I I just can't put Tennessee, uh, you know, as much as you like Derrick Henry and We'll see if they can replace Arthur Jones and how good he was as a play caller. Uh-huh. He did. That's a you know sometimes I think it's a lot more difficult to replace a good coach yep. than it is good players. It showed uh, up with Dean Pease, right? It showed up on defense last year with the same yeah. group of players with and without Dean Pease. It mattered. It does matter. And so, uh, like I I I went through that in Dallas when we lost Ditka and we lost a lot of good coaches in Dallas and Landry just couldn't replace them with uh, quality uh, people. They kept. And so I, I think they've been plucked pretty good. Um, you know, I'm anxious to see what the Chargers do here, uh, you know, and if they can compete. Yeah, uh, you know, we, we know that I, I, I'm i a big fan of Rashawn Slater. Uh, I, I'm a fan of what they're doing. I, I like Brandon Staley a whole bunch. Uh, I know that Asante Samuel can flat out play. Uh, I don't know if he's going to get 51 career interceptions like his dad did. I think he tackles better than his dad. 
I don't care if he's five foot ten; he can play. So I, I like a lot of things the Chargers are doing, and if they get healthy on defense, um, they might be able to make a little bit of noise. Um, and you know, the Raiders are just the Raiders. You know, they just are. They're just they're just confusing. You know, about what they do and what they see, and it's just different than everybody else. And it's part of the reason why they look like they're just another five hundred team to me. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think, um, again, I think it's the Chiefs and everybody else in that second tier. I would put Buffalo up top that. I think Cleveland's right there. Um, Baltimore's going to be playing a much tougher schedule. Maybe they're still in that group, but um, that I, I, I kind of think the AFC is what it is. I feel like there's a lot more variance as we sit back here after the draft with the NFC, um, and in, 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 in large part because of quarterbacks right i mean san francisco isn't entirely sold on theirs um i think the rams upgraded this could be the last year of russell wilson in seattle uh their drew Brees is gone aaron Rodgers wants to be gone um you know uh tom brady's still tom brady i i, I feel like in the nfc you could convince me coming off this draft of any number of scenarios and i would buy it i do feel like it's tampa bay and everybody else I'm just not positive on who constitutes that second tier. There's some teams on that side of the ledger that stand out for you um, with their draft and where they are. Well, I mean, I give you. Th- I mean, I thought Carolina did well. I mean, you can argue, you know, J.C. Horn, Patrick, uh, Sertan. I mean, they went with Horn. They had they have to be able to play more man defense than they played last year. Nobody played more zone than what they did. I know that's what Phil Snow likes, but I I don't think you can play as much zone as they did. That'll help. Uh, Terrace Marshall. Um, they, they, they lose a receiver in Curtis Samuel. You know, they add a, a big body receiver. I think that will help Sam Darnold. I, I think Brady Christensen, um, you know, can play at this level. He, he was a good player at BYU, uh, played a lot of football. Tommy Tremble, I mean, I know Matt Rule. He wants to be a two-back offense. Give me some tight ends that can block. Um, you know, let's give, uh, you know, let, let's give my star running back as much, you know, help as I can get to get into the strong side. I think they did well. Look, in, in the NFC East, um, look, Dave Gettleman, he gets jumped by the Eagles, okay, for Devontae Smith. But, you know, you, you trade back and you get a guy like Cardarius Tony. I have no problem with that. They needed help off the edge, you know, so you get Audulari, you know, you uh, you get Ellerson Smith. Let them go, go find a body out there that can really add something to the pass rush. I have no question. It's the first time I watched Aaron Robinson play. I go, he's going to start for somebody as a slot corner. So, I, I you know, I think the Giants helped themselves out. Um, you know, it's on Daniel Jones right now in year, you know, in this year, you know, to to really separate himself and be that guy that they thought they were picking when they, you know, drafted him as high as they did. Um, I think the Eagles did really well. I I, I love Devontae Smith. Uh, I love Landon Dickerson, was my favorite player in the draft. They rolled the dice, but you bet on the person. You bet on the person. And, you know, they got it. I think they, this Jacoby Stevens can play. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I like a lot of guys that they, the, the running back, Gainwell from Memphis can flat out play. Uh, I think he'll be in the rotation right away. I think the Eagles might end up if if Dickerson fits in and plays this year, they they could have as good an offensive line as anybody in this whole league, and that will only help the development of Jalen Hurts. So I think they've done a lot of good things. I like everything Washington's doing, Jason. Everything. Uh, you know, when the time's right to plug in the quarterback, they will. But everybody knows that Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be just fine. Um, he's not going to lose games for you, um, you know, and he's going to be tougher than anybody else. But Cosby is good, and Jameen Davis is 
you know, it, it, it's probably like Thomas Davis to, you know, in what 15 year career or 16 year career that he had for Ron Rivera. Like he probably is going to be the same, same kid, you know, just a great kid tackling machine. Um, they've upgraded uh, the corner position with William Jackson. I, I like everything that Washington's doing right now. No, I, I do too. I mean, look, are they going to win three playoff games with Ryan Fitzpatrick? I, I don't know about that. But the more you look at this, Baldy, and, and to, to kind of finish where we started, you put an Aaron Rodgers in Carolina. though. You put an Aaron Rodgers in Washington. And then I look at these other teams. You can start making the case that they're the team to beat. You know, I think it's much more wide open outside of Tampa on that side of the ball. Like, you know, you could convince me of a number of teams as truly being behind Tampa as the second or third team to beat in the NFC, especially if an Aaron Rodgers stays in that conference. I think it could be fascinating. Um, if he stays in Green Bay and they, they put Humpty Dumpty back together again, then, yeah, I would say Green Bay is, you know, nipping at Tampa's heels. But <laughs> if they if they have to go from, you know, Rodgers to Jordan Love or, you know, whatever, they get Josh McCowan out of retirement to bridge the gap or whatever, um, that, that they, they ain't going to be anywhere sniffing 13 wins. Well, you know, this is going to – this is um, – anybody that takes Aaron Rodgers on is going to be an owner – move the owner is going to sign off and he's going to like can is there an owner more motivated to get a star player that position than david tepper nobody no i mean that guy that that guy wants a star at that position like to him sam darnold is just him you know he, he might become a good player but he's not gonna be aaron Rodgers. and so i i can see david tepper going to matt rule and scott fitterer and going hey guys we, we have a two-year window here with aaron Rodgers. i mean let's go for it you know, we don't have any have any of these trophies in our bank. Let's let's go get one. Let, let's go get them. What do you think? No, I, I'm with you completely. Hey, Tom Brady. Okay, that's a thing. But like Seattle, when's the last time Seattle's had a long playoff? Yeah, you start, I mean, could you, you start imagine looking at the rest of the conference? Could, could you imagine like the schedule makers next Wednesday? Oh. <laughs> the schedule makers would have to like delay the whole thing. Like, can you imagine like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers like just playing this out twice a year? Well, and look, you could. You could make the case if you were them that, okay, we're still, you know, we, we, we drafted all defense last year. We, we, we still drafted a bunch of defensive players this year. Even if we had to trade assets, even if we had to trade a Burns and a Chin and a couple of ones, but we keep all those offensive pieces in place. If we have to win 50-47, we can, we can with, with Moore and Marshall and McCaffrey, you know, and, and, and if we do have a young tight end now that, that we like and with what we've done to our offensive line, being that, that there's worse ways to go than, than that. Um, I just think it would, it would be a fascinating, uh, wherever he ends up, it's going to be fascinating, including if he somehow stays in Green Bay. But uh, well, I'm I mean, sure they'd want to ship him to the AFC, but – you but know. you put Aaron Rodgers, like you put Aaron Rodgers with, uh, you know, Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore and there's Terrace Marshall and Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> like you're going to catch, like you're going to have a couple guys go over a thousand yards receiving. Oh yeah. 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 Well, as I said, we will certainly, I'm sure be talking about Aaron Rodgers throughout our off season, yeah. uh, conversations. Um, it's been great kicking this around with you as yeah, always and, fun, and uh we will certainly reconvene soon enough we appreciate all you guys for listening um as always rate review us give us feedback wherever you download uh your podcast 
we will continue to talk football throughout the spring and the summer. And you can always find us on social media as well, particularly Twitter uh, at Jason Lock and four and at Baldy NFL Baldy. It's been great, man. I look forward to chatting uh, yep. next week and uh, we'll see who's disgruntled. And, and as the world <laughs> turns in the NFL between now and then, brother. Hey, the news keeps on coming. The hits. We, we just play the hits here, Jason. That's right. We can't, That's we can't right. make this stuff up, man. No. No, we can't and we don't, but we enjoy talking about it. We yep. appreciate you guys listening, and we will talk to you next week.